Hello, my name is Steve D'Agostino, and my co-host Ann Fernald and I welcome you to the Twice Over podcast, because to teach is to learn twice over. In this episode, sitting at my high school desk, Ann and I are joined by Kaylee Wong, a senior in the Gabelli School of Business majoring in public accounting, who serves as the executive president of the United Student Government at Fordham University. Kaylee shares her experiences as a graduating senior and offers her insights about the current situation from the student perspective. Kaylee, welcome to the podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? I'm a senior at Fordham in the Gabelli School of Business. I'm majoring in public accounting. I'm originally from Phoenix, Arizona, and on campus, I'm really involved in student government. So I currently serve as the outgoing student body president. So we just had elections. So I'm now a lame duck, I guess. But I also am involved in orientation. I was in Rose Hill Society, so I was a campus ambassador, and I am on Dean's Council in Gabelli as well. So can you um, tell us a little bit about what this transition has been like for you as a student? I think the most difficult thing as a student leader, as someone who's engaging with a lot of other students, is that everyone's in a totally different place with this, right? Like there are people who really want to jump in and facilitate the exact same experiences we'd be having on campus, having the same amount of meetings, seeing everyone all the time. And there are other people who, quite frankly, probably can't even get out of bed or didn't have somewhere to go home to necessarily or are not comfortable in the home situation that they're in now. So I think that's been the hardest thing for me in transitioning was figuring out how to meet all of these individuals where they are, and then also trying to do that on top of kind of transitioning my own life back here to home. And I mean, I hadn't come home for summer since I started at Fordham. So this is actually the longest period of time I've been home since I went away my freshman year. Transitioning to doing work at my high school desk has been fun. What would you want your professors to know about what students are going through? I think I really think that the biggest thing right now is everyone is missing that human interact. So many of us chose Fordham because of the community. So many people chose to go to Fordham because the professors are so caring and such phenomenal people that they're inspired by that and wanted to attend Fordham. And I feel like we have to make sure that we're not losing that in this time. Can you share some ways that you might be working with your classmates or your friends at school or other resources at the university to try to maintain that community? What are some ways that faculty and the university at large could help? Yeah, a lot of it is happening through social media right now. A lot of different organizations on campus and Fordham itself have put out like fun little things that you can put on your Instagram story or something that you like check off everything you've done at Fordham. Also, one of our committees recently hosted uh, one of those Netflix parties. So it's like an extension you can get on Chrome and everyone watches the same Netflix show at the same time and can like chat about it while it's going on. I think something that I've noticed in my classes, especially, is a lot of times I'll have um, professors and I've heard this from my friends as well, who ask how everyone's doing and then wait about two seconds and then assume that means no one wants to respond or have a conversation. And they jump right into the lesson. And I think that something to know is that there's such awkwardness, as we probably know, in like, do I unmute? Do I say something? Like, is someone else going to say something first? So giving more time, more pause to that original opening, I think, 
can be so helpful in facilitating conversation because if that doesn't happen, then people are probably going to be less prone to speaking up in general on the call. Right. So I think, yeah, like readjusting yourself to what it means to be online and understanding that those awkward silences, as horrible as they feel to yourself for like the 10 seconds they happen, it can be really key in having someone actually unmute and say something and interact with you. And that can really set the tone for the entire class. I've had a couple of professors who have literally said, until four people tell me how they're doing, I'm not going to start the lesson. (laughs) And like, I think that's just so key in getting that conversation started or else we're all just going to tune into these calls and watch them like we're watching TV and then go back to our houses. Have you had any interesting or good experiences with classes or lessons that are doing things outside of a conference call, like someone who did office hours in an interesting way or a discussion board that's suddenly getting a lot more use because we are not meeting in person or uh, some kind of, you know, shared document that everyone's contributing to or any of your professors experimenting with those kind of asynchronous ways of connecting and teaching and learning. Yeah, so I actually have a really great professor right now, uh, Kelly Olto in the accounting department. So we're in advanced audit, which is obviously in mostly senior class. And it was a very case-based course to begin with. So I think it was something that's a bit easier to transition to online. Mm -hmm. Um, But something that I really appreciate about what she's done is she's adjusted it to really mimic what the work world would be like. So all of our courses have an agenda that's sent out before similar to what you would receive if you were in audit first year from your manager saying, this is what we're going to discuss on the call today. Come prepared with your questions. And it really mimics that kind of style, which I think was such a great way to make the best out of the situation as she's very much now preparing us for what we're going to be in in the following year um, as professionals. And she also mimics in the same way how you would reach out to someone uh, who is your superior if you had questions. So for the assignment, you have to email her and say like, hey, I'm a bit stuck on this. And then you set up a call or you attend. She has open office hours at all of her courses. And so you can go in there and she treats it like you're going to her office and asking those questions. All of it, she's really taken the approach of approach this like now I am your audit manager and you're coming to me prepared with your questions and ready to figure work through whatever problem you're having. So I think that was a really great way to kind of make the best of the situation was now adjusting us to getting ready for Skype calls that we'll have for the rest of our life. So it was really a perfect bridge. I think it made a lot of sense. I think the other really positive thing that I've seen is the treatment of office hours. I think that's so important. I think that's a really key part of the education and quality that we provide at Fordham is that your professors are available to you and willing to answer questions. And I think for a lot of people, that's something that they have gotten used to and really enjoy about that interaction. So I think facilitating those in the same way is also really key in this transition. Professor Alto, she sends us an in, like a Zoom call invite to every single of her office hours still. So every week I get about three emails from her with Zoom invites. And it's just kind of a reminder that they're there and she's going to be on them for that hour, regardless of if people come. And I think as burdensome as that might be to take an hour of your day to sit on a call 
um, that someone might not show up to. I think creating that space is so important because if it is a email me to schedule a time to meet, that can be intimidating if you don't know the professor as well, or if you are a, a newer student or something that can be really uncomfortable. And then you might just kind of sit and fester with your questions rather than reaching out. Whereas if professors really take that step to make the space for students to be able to come and ask their questions. I think that's so important as well. Do you think at some point that professors should just plunge in and do the class week four now and we're ready to just learn or is it too much? Is it too little? What are your thoughts about how to navigate? Maybe some students thinking of class as just a way to escape all of this and mm-hmm. focus on a subject I really like. Students really still want to have their courses. And I think that's something that I really want to portray in this is that people want to still have their classes. They still want to finish them out. Even if that is in a pass-fail setting, they still are wanting to learn this material and understand it. But I do think that the, I think the facilitating the check-in, however you do that with your students will kind of guide that decision on moving forward and how it looks for each individual classroom, just because I do know that so many students are fully prepared to dive in and do everything, but there are students still who are really struggling as well. So just making sure that you know where they are and then moving forward from there. So if you are able to send like Google form or something like that, even as easy as that is to just kind of check in and have everyone fill out the form before class that day, I think that'll really inform how you move forward in the classroom and dive into that content. I also think that something that students want is to be asked how they are and not assumed how they are. So I think on both ends of that spectrum we have right now where some professors are assuming that everyone's not doing well or that everyone isn't able to focus on their classes. Um, So they're doing just posting PowerPoints for everyone to focus on their own time. Or on the other end, some professors are assuming that everyone is perfectly fine and really wants to do the content. And so they're just diving into full lecture videos and still having participation the exact same and accepting the same attendance and all of that stuff. So I think that we kind of have to meet in the middle of that, which is seeing what your students want and then adjusting that way. Are you struggling with the academic commitments that you had been making all along and where that effort goes? and? how that will be evaluated. Have you been thinking about those issues at all? I think that doing opt-in pass-fail, I personally feel was a really positive move because I think it leaves the room for those students who, if you had worked insanely hard all semester in a very difficult class and had a really high grade, you have the opportunity to keep that and continue and still get that A for yourself or whatever that grade may be. But I think it also gives an opportunity to students who are struggling right now with this transition or my mom and I always joke about this, but she had me take an online class when I was a sophomore in high school, an online summer course. And I had always been a fairly good student. I took my grades very seriously and I did very poorly in this course. And that was where we learned that I am just not an online learner. And I really struggled with that. And that very much informed my decision to come to Fordham was that there is not really an emphasis on online courses as much as there were at local state schools in my area. And so I think that's important to note too, that 
you have students who might have been doing really great in the classroom, but personally know or might be learning right now that they're not an online learner. And finding that difficulty is great because now people can choose to opt into that pass-fail if they want to. I think that one of the things that people are really struggling with as well in that decision is if they don't know where they stand in the course, especially in courses that are are primarily participation-based. I think it's really important to clarify what that means now. Is participation still that they have to speak up and say something in the Zoom call? Is that the only way to get a positive participation grade? That clarification is important for students right now as they're trying to make this pass-fail decision. That's something that students would be really comforted to have right now is some knowledge of where they stand in the class, where their in-person work got them to, or where now, like you said, these four weeks of online learning, how that has impacted them. You said a little bit earlier, Kaylee, that you learned from your high school experience of online that you're bad at online, (laughs) which I highly doubt. But could you tell me what you mean? What, What does bad at online mean to you? And how is that manifesting? Or how are you working against it? Um, now that you're having to learn online? I think that the biggest thing for me is I'm a big participator. That's a really big part of my learning cycle is being in that classroom and engaging with the professor and answering questions. And that's an experience that I don't have the same way in an online classroom, just because there isn't, like I said, there's not always as much space made for discussion. It's not easy to do. People speak over one another awkwardly on Zoom and then everyone just goes quiet for a little while. There's all these different complex areas of participating that make it um, hard for me to have that same experience. Even a disagreement with a classmate always makes concepts stick with me more. And it's just not the same online. And I don't, no one's at fault for that, but there's just not the same experience. One of the things I'm curious about from your perspective as a student you know, these Zoom sessions and collaborate sessions are recorded. Do you think about that as a student in a class? Does it affect your ability to, to participate? Have other of your classmates talked about this at all, the fact that they're being recorded? People always have asked, like, what does it mean when it says recording? And like, can you see our faces the whole time? I think there's a lot of confusion about that. And students are not necessarily as comfortable when it's being recorded, because I think First of all, there's this idea in everyone's head. I think the biggest hump in participation in general is being afraid of saying the wrong thing. Um, And I would be extra afraid of saying the wrong thing if it's going to be on a recorded thing that might be posted to Blackboard or the professor might use in a later section. I would never want a recording of me saying the wrong thing. So I think that's the biggest discomfort that people have with recorded sessions. I also know that I've had classes that professors have made a really big point of like, I'm not recording you. I don't want you guys to have your phones out recording anything that's happening in this. I want it to be a really open session where people feel like they can speak on whatever they want to. Um, You can say your opinion and it's not going to necessarily leave this classroom or something like that. Like allowing people to have that open dialogue and conversation, especially if it's on a topic that people might not be comfortable with something leaving there would definitely be stifled by that little red dot that says recording now on Zoom. And I also think in general that participation is 
so much more difficult because now when you're in an online setting, you might have a sibling popping in or your parents asking when you're going to be ready for dinner, like, or you might have to get up and help with something really fast. And so people to participate at the same level that they would have in a classroom is very difficult now for people to even be able to understand. So I think that participation part is really key in this adjustment as well. Have you been part of any conversations about or thinking about how you're evaluated from, you know, traditional classroom exam and now an online exam? I think it's really difficult. And I personally don't feel that an entirely closed book, closed note, closed everything exam is really possible to give at this time for a class. I think that even what you do on, like if you have everyone open up their Zoom camera and be on camera while they take the exam, I just don't know that that'll work. I think people always find workarounds for those things. Um, I really think personally that recognizing that it might be an open book exam and just adjusting according to that, or even making, I know this is not possible for all types of courses, but making it more of a project at the end or something to exhibit the student's knowledge of the course that is not in a traditional exam format might be helpful. I think the difficult thing is you place a pressure on students who do follow academic integrity and who take that really seriously for themselves to still do so. But then there's concern that if 10 of my classmates are Googling all of the answers and they all get a 100, what does that look like for me? And then you put students who are really honest and ethical in a really difficult situation because then they kind of have to prioritize one or the other for themselves. And I think it's a, it's a really hard question. Understanding that and recognizing that as wonderful as all of our students are, I think the temptation is too great for some that we might just not be able to mitigate against all of that. It's so hard to imagine resisting the urge to Google it. Even that temptation, though, like I know I've been in exams and I've been taking the test or whatever, and it's and I can see it in my head. I can see where that is on my notes, and I'm, I just like can't pull it. Right, yes. like when I'm in an exam room, it's like oh darn, like I know exactly where it is. I know that I looked at it. I just can't remember, and you kind of have to accept that. If the notes are sitting right there, I just think it's so hard for people to put that aside. So, Kaylee, it seems like the end of your senior year is going to be drastically different than you had anticipated, I imagine. Mm -hmm. What do you think the university can do? And I know you're in a leadership position among the student body. Have you guys been thinking or talking about these kinds of ways to, to still have these ceremonies? This is nothing like how I imagined my senior year would be going. And I think that's the case for almost everyone in the class of 2020. So it's heartening that I have a community of people to experience it with. But I do think that facilitating something when we are able to be together again is really important. I really commend the university's decision to postpone commencement and not to cancel or go entirely to online. A lot of friends who are first generation college students, and that was such a big step and in investment for the entire family to make that that celebration is so key to them that I don't think we can miss out on it. And even though obviously the ceremony will be different, not every single student will be able to attend. I still think it's important to do for those who are able to make it and able to still celebrate at whatever time we're able to do that. Fordham has a really great senior week program. I think it's 
one of the really great things that Fordham does for our senior class. And that's something that our seniors are also missing. So trying to really put a focus on facilitating some parts of that at, around that rescheduled commencement, like the parent appreciation dinner dance, like that's such a key part of people's experiences. Um, in Senya or the award ceremonies, people look forward to those so much, uh, as well as even senior ball is such a key experience for Fordham students. So our senior week committee is kind of working on being able to facilitate something whenever that rescheduled date is and figuring out all of those logistics. But I do think people, when we can be together again, are going to want to be together and going to want to celebrate what we've all accomplished, even if it is a little bit later than we anticipated this. Um, I think that's something that it's very cliche. You're always told like college is going to be best time of your life. You're going to love it so much, like blah, blah, blah. And no one ever takes it to heart, right? But I think a lot of um, my friends who are sophomores and juniors who I've been talking to are having that realization right now. And now right. I think they're going to come back to campus with so much more energy. I'm hopeful that it means they'll participate more in our fun on-campus activities. Um, <laughs> understanding that this is a really special experience that can be taken away in a moment's notice. Um, so to really revel in all of that and take it all in as much as you can. Is there anything else that we didn't get a chance to talk about or that you want to make sure that you said about what this experience has been like for you as a student and as a student leader, Kaylee? I would say one of one of the biggest things I think is that we all need to just be a little bit more human and transparent with one another as we're moving forward. I think that one of the difficulties that all of us have and I go through this is trying to lead my organization, right, is putting on this appearance that I have it all together and I know exactly mm. what we're doing and I know exactly how Zoom works and I'm going to make it be perfect for us and it's going to be the exact same. I think that that is harmful to everyone involved, right? It's a lot of pressure to put on yourself. If you're a professor, it's a lot of pressure to have the perfect class that still goes exactly as you plan. Um, and for students, it's intimidating because they see that and they see you being all put together and perfectly fine. Um, and then they're not as open to coming to you about maybe something they're struggling with or that their technology isn't working if your technology always works perfectly. So I think there's silver linings and like if you have technical difficulties saying, hey, look, it happens to all of us. Email right. me if you have technical difficulties and can't get online. Clearly, I'm going to be understanding because it just happened to me. Um, or opening a class and saying, I'm having a really tough day. I was really upset this morning about this situation. If you're feeling the same way, I'd love to talk about it. Um, just being really open and human with one another about what we're experiencing and not trying to put on the brave face and be like perfect still as you are in the classroom. Um, I think that's really important and honest and will help all of us to kind of open up. I don't know who the you was about. It was perfect. <laughs> but I think that's, I think that's the whole thing, right? Is that's how students see you. And so I think it's so important to still recognize those faults and say like, oh, look, my technology messed up. Or, oh, I'm, I really, I don't, if it's that teacher who doesn't know how to give out midterm grades or doesn't know how to approach a setting opening that up to the class as well and saying, 
here's the situation. I'm really struggling with how to give you an update because so much of what I would normally update is participation. What do you guys think? How are you feeling? I think that transparency will just be so helpful and everyone feeling like we're a part of this because I think the biggest difficulty, at least for control freaks like me, is that I'm just entirely not in control of the situation at all. I have no idea where it's going to end. I did not choose to be here right now, of course. So I think letting people have some control of maybe what the class is going to look like or what um, those kind of situations are going to be will be really helpful in opening up that dialogue. Kaylee, I knew that it would be fun to talk to you. (laughs) And um, I have to say, I totally underestimated you. You are such a rock star. This was such a pleasure. Um, I'm really, really, really grateful to you for your time. Um, I think you're wonderful. And uh, I think this is going to be really, really interesting for faculty members to hear your perspective on what this calamity has been like for you and what it what Fordham is doing to uh, help us all get through it together. So thank you for your time. Thanks for having me. Twice Over Podcast is available on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Spotify, with new episodes appearing twice each week. For host and guest bios and show notes, please visit our website, twiceoverpodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twiceover1 or email us at twiceoverpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening.